0: The, the words in my head at the time were, I do not deserve to be here, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that anyone that tells you they don't have that little voice in their head on a regular basis, they're full of it, right? We all do, right? We all have that little voice that says, I don't know if I've earned this. I don't know. I think I just got lucky. I don't. I don't know. I think they're all gonna see that I am a fraud, right? Um, and I, I get it. We're all we're not frauds. We all worked very hard, but there is a little me voice. It's like big me, little me, right? And little me says a lot of bad things a lot of the time, right? And it's about. I was with my nine year old, um, and we all and my nine year old has it, right? We were playing soccer, like he and I were just shooting goals on each other, and he missed like six in a row, and his little me voice started talking to him and started saying bad stuff. Like all my friends are better than me. I'm not sure if I want to play soccer anymore. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to do this. And I had to give him a talking to and I was like, listen, man, come on, let's try it again. And eventually we, we learned about things we can say to little me. Like, um, I taught him the phrase, um, no, thank you. I'm going to try again. Mm Mm-hmm. To tell it a little me, right, and that's for my from a nine year old. That's what he needed to hear, and then he kept doing. Before you knew it, he was pegging the top left hand corner of the goal, like with like a hook shot, like doing like the doing the bend the bend shot. which he knows how to do, he just kept missing, right? He just kept missing the goal box. But then he just one little minor adjustment, and he nailed it, right? And I think that that's what a lot of us tell ourselves: "Oh, I can't do this. I'm not worth it. I'm not. I'm not worthy or whatever." But yeah, I, I think that it, it's it's a matter of acting uh in the face of that because i could have certainly told bigger pockets no when they asked me to be on the bigger pockets podcast and i could have let the little me take over and said now you know what i'm i'm not ready for that yet and i see a lot of people say i'm not ready for that yet whatever that is to say i'm not ready for that thing that life's offering me welcome to
1: ria radio episode 104 with matt faircloth You're listening to Rhea Radio, the nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out RiaRadio.com. I never thought Matt Faircloth would be as cool as he was. Why is that? Because I I... Listened to a whole bunch of his episodes like before the interview, and although he seemed very kind, he just seemed like he was just an, a straight up numbers guy. Kind of like when we were going to interview Jay Scott, I didn't think he was going to be as cool as he was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Matt Faircloth come on, and I mean he was a good time, and he was very real. And I think that when you listen to this podcast. Uh, you will find a completely different Matt Faircloth than you've seen anywhere else or heard anywhere else. He just seemed really loose and you know really relatable. I, I love talking to him. And like he's so he's so cool. He's
2: an East Coast dude, but like he's very relatable to any anybody in the Midwest, also, which I'm pointing that out because like it seems to be that most of his investments that he has done over the last, you know, 20 years uh, have all been east coast related i could be wrong on that we'll, we'll stay tuned uh and prove me wrong
1: episode uh listeners but we, he he makes you excited to go meet him in bp Con. Yeah,
2: yeah i i know i'm pumped to hang out with him and drink really fancy old fashions because it sounds like there's gonna be some high dollar stuff there i hope him Make and, it happen, Matt.
1: Between him and Tony Brown, it should be <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I
2: know, right? We should eat <laughs> and
1: drink like kings
2: when we go to BPCon.
1: Well, and by the time this airs, uh, we'll probably be just getting back from BPCon, So yep. we're going to have a lot more stories to tell. And I'm so excited. This is one of the things I look forward to the most in the year. So one thing I think is super cool is that at the end of BP Con, they, they've rented the section of the of the Universal Studios, the Adventure Island. Okay.
2: The, what, this is going to be... Super cool. Like I've only been there once. Have you ever been to Disney or never? uh, Like Orlando? Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, we did something we just never could afford growing up, and kind of
2: a fail. I'm just saying, as a as a dad, and need to make this happen. And my wife is absolutely against going
1: to Disney World, Disneyland. Is that right? To a point where, literally, last night at dinner, um, when we were talking about where we're gonna do our summer trip with the family, uh, with the kids, Skylar goes, "I want to go to Disney World," (laughs) and uh, the Jessica's cuz like we will never go to disney world why <laughs> like, cuz she doesn't like like super busy you know it's too peopley yeah and cuz my my son and my wife are very much homebodies and my my daughter and I are very much public out get get out and have some fun and skylar just like she's at dinner table she grabs crying and her eyes just water up <laughs> and like she's just holding okay up. <laughs> jessica
2: suck it up okay <laughs> you can weather the storm here like i did it too my wife did it too and she's like she ha- literally has a t-shirt that says kid rock it's too peopley outside. <laughs> uh, outside with kid rock on the back <laughs> and uh but no like Disney is an experience that I will do once and I will never do again, probably. But
1: Universal Studios is kick ass. Like I'm, I'm excited to go back. Like it's awesome. Well, uh, this will be my first time even staying. I've had layovers in Florida, but I've never been to Florida. What? Yeah, I've never been there. I've, I've traveled a lot, but uh, Florida is an area that I have not explored. Wow. I've been up and down the East and West Coast. Wow. Never, been ever to Florida. Dang. I okay. went to I went to Brazil and had a layover in Florida once. That's about uh, or you know and went to like Dominican. I think we had Lee over there too. So, huh. That's as far as good. Okay. The airport. So this is
2: going to be super fun though. And one thing that I think is interesting, I wanted to bring up on this is, uh, I've been looking for, um, Airbnb places to stay around, you know, kind of close to the bigger pockets, uh, where the conference is going to be located. And, Almost everything is about 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Have you
1: noticed this? Our, our Airbnb is 20 minutes away.
2: Yeah. So I don't like that necessarily because, like, when you're at a conference, so if you're traveling for, um, you know, to go to a real estate conference or whatever, generally it's nice to be able to get done with your, you know, session that you're like, you know, like a lot of times there's speakers on different topics. And so you go and attend one. And then maybe you need to take a phone call, make some emails, go to the bathroom, whatever, right? And so it's nice being able to go upstairs to oh. your in in the same place and go to your room and chill out for a minute, decompress, and do whatever you need to do, right? I've ne- I've never not had that. Yeah. So that that was my whole reason for booking a hotel room at at the you know mm. Four Seasons where it's going to be located. Is that right? Yeah. I I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, but there's something to be said for having an airbnb too where you can like hang out relax party more space mm-hmm. like there's people like you know what i mean like so there's that too but 20 minutes away that's a, that's just a thing because you have to go out there get an uber if you don't have a car with you you have to get an uber so you're waiting 10 minutes for that then they show up and you you, you know you get it like you have to commute there and then by the time you're there you relax and whatever and you're like ah, do i really want to go you're back? stuck yeah you're there So it's a whole – it's like an hour and a half ordeal just to get there and then back just to use the bathroom.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that's been weighing really heavy on me, and I've been really nervous about this. Yeah. Because I do uh, enjoy being around people, but I also want to be able to break away and have some space. Or if we have too many old fashions and I I need to just get back up to my room and just ditch everybody I'm hanging out with – sorry, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that – i that I, I need that i'm really worried about not having my space just go up in between because sometimes you get real you get real frazzled at these events or you got a lot of stuff to carry or you meet you, maybe you have an emergency bathroom yeah. <laughs> break that needs
2: to happen I or you that,
1: that does happen or, on trips or you get too hung over the night before and then you can't sleep in you gotta like get up and go yeah well there's that also yeah uh, which you you're well aware of <laughs> we never know where these conversations go do we <laughs> No, nope. <laughs> you and I sat here so worried about like, what we're gonna talk about this morning and they things just kind of take their own. They do. Yeah, we didn't plan any of this. So I, I really love the conversation with Matt Faircloth. We told him about the scooter trip last year. Yeah, so
2: <laughs> man, Matt Faircloth, this is such a cool episode with with Matt because he was like um he's been on so many podcasts. He's been on bigger pockets, like uh what did he say? But there's probably ten times after he- Hosting, being
1: a co-host, being like all he's, all of... He all... said he's hosted or co-hosted dozens of times and that he's been interviewed four times.
2: Yeah, four times on the BP uh, real estate podcast. And then he's also been on as kind of like a guest co-host or whatever. But uh, like super, super interesting dude. And he started out... He's an East Coast guy, which you'll find out in the episode. And he borrowed money uh, allegedly, maybe, maybe not from a mob boss we'll find out listen uh listen to the episode and and what the vig was on that whole deal. Uh, but Matt is uh he was just fun, man. Like charismatic guy. He's done a ton of money raising over his career. He's he's put uh money into multifamily. Uh he's mixed use uh office. I'm trying to think of all the stuff he's been involved in. We didn't uh, we didn't get a chance to cover all of this in the episode, but he's such a fun and neat guy. Uh, that you're going to learn, I think, a lot more about his personal background in this episode. And uh, also, stay tuned for what he prefers uh, with the superhero genre,
1: uh, Marvel versus DC. You're going to find out who his favorite superhero is. Stay tuned for that. Well, one thing that we kind of pride ourselves on is that you can listen to Matt Faircloth on a multitude of platforms. And, I mean, when I was looking up and, and listening, there was probably... You know, twenty episodes that came out just in the last few uh, weeks. That's how much podcasting he does. I mean, there you can find content on him, and that content is going to go over capital raising and what he specializes in. But what we pride ourselves on is getting to know the person, and 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 shooting a breeze, but also getting some good lessons that you're not hearing from anywhere else. So, if you want to get in depth and hear about capital raise, uh, you're going to get a little bit here, but. Go, go tune in one of the other podcasts that you're going to find him on. But if you want to get to know Matt and hear content about Matt that you're not going to hear anywhere else, this is the place. And this is the episode you want to listen to. This is the spot. And you're going to
2: also find out what, like, why his company is named the DeRosa Group, which I don't think he talks about on a lot of other podcasts. So I think he called you
1: out and specifically said, Nobody's ever asked me that.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. Nobody it's or very few. Me. Yeah. Like that's, uh, that's interesting. So, yeah. Just a neat, neat guy and uh, has a creative uh, brain inside him where he is a writer and uh, a content creator. I think by just like by his passion alone and that he has translated that into leveraging into being on the bigger pockets podcast. They eventually approached him about uh, authoring a book. And he's underway on uh, writing another book or two which, or two, which you'll hear about. And uh, so stay tuned till the end because he talks about what his idea is for another book that he hasn't uh, even you know put
1: out there yet. You, so it's going to be a lot of fun. You're getting a reputation for people saying, oh, I never got asked that question because Jay Scott did the same thing when you are ta- asked about his business. And he, he named it after a dog or something. Remember? Lish.
2: Yeah, the Lish property group. Like, yeah, I think yeah. He's like no, he asked me that before. Yeah. And <laughs> he, then he also accused me of being a stalker, so there's that. Well, you were. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'll wear that hat. Uh so But uh, yeah, Matt Fairclough, super fun episode. Um, Just a neat guy and charismatic as hell. You guys are going to enjoy this. uh, Like
1: You're really going to enjoy this episode. And today's Golden Nugget Nugget was based on content that we got from Matt Fairclough.
2: That's true. Today's Golden Nugget is brought to you by JM Real Estate Capital.
1: Hi, it's Rob, JM Real Estate Capital. We're the money guys that you need to know for all your real estate investments. Talk to us. We can do what your local bank can't or won't do. We don't have millions. We have trillions with a T to lend. 844-week close or go online, jmrecapital.com. That's
0: jmrecapital.com.
2: JM Real Estate Capital, smart solutions for the real estate investor. And today's golden nugget is, so this is a quote from Matt. And uh, hopefully I don't butcher this because it was uh, one and a half old fashions ago. But he said, you probably have a million dollars in your cell phone. And the context of that statement was a question I asked around money raising. And he basically described what everyone else is searching for that is in the business of potentially looking to raise private money to do a real estate deal. So the point of all this is Look in your phone if you're wanting to raise money. This doesn't have to be some obscure thing where you're going out to Wall Street and really wealthy people. You probably have contacts in your phone that have a million dollars collectively that you could access and make them a lot more money in addition to yourself. So don't overlook your current network of people that you already have. And if you position your deal in the right way where it can improve their life as
1: well as yours. That's what it's all about. You know that reminds me um, of a conversation that I had once had with um, a gentleman that came in town and he was trying to get me to get into uh, politics and he goes, and one of the things he started off with he goes, he goes, I base everything on how many contacts that the people I work with have in their phone. I remember this and he's like, and I'm like, okay, he goes, well how he goes, uh, the average person and don't quote me on these numbers uh, have five to six hundred contacts in their phone." And uh, and he goes, how many people do you have in your phone? And at the time, I had I had a lot of duplicates, uh, so my number was higher. <laughs> but it was close to seven thousand at that time. And after taking out my duplicates, I have four thousand two hundred fifty six contacts in my phone. He's like, he goes, that's why you need to get into politics. And I'm like. Mm no <laughs> and then
2: and then ted asked the follow-up question do they do background checks and uh when you get into political
1: office and he said yes and then ted bowed out i have so. nothing in my as far as <laughs> legally issues in my background what
2: here. not legal but let's, i mean your early 20s there's some skeletons
1: okay so some, some skeletons you there. got skeletons yourself Don't i worry. maybe perhaps do <laughs> uh it just comes with being a bartender man that's right so. um so
2: the super fun episode i can't wait for you guys to listen to this matt is a fun guy anybody going to bp con if you happen to catch this before wow well, it's probably going to be after it will be right after you yeah. yeah so well As you know now, uh, if you attended BP Con, Matt is a hell of a time, and he's buying a whole bunch of expensive old fashions there, which I cannot wait to partake in. So super fun episode. Stay tuned for this. Uh, He's just a a fun guy. If you want to tune in and learn a whole bunch more about raising private capital and how that can accelerate your business and just put it on steroids. Buy Matt's book, Raising Private Capital, and there's an excerpt after that. Building your real estate empire with other people's money. Thank you, Simon and Schuster. No, I'm sorry, Ted Kosh. Um, so listen, <laughs> tune in for that. And uh, it's going to be so fun to uh, meet him in person and hang out with him and, uh, and the rest of the BP crew we've already talked to. I can't
1: wait yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm so excited right now to get to bp and it's it's this podcast is the reason that it makes it that much more exciting yep it's gonna be a good time we got a lot of people to talk to you while we're done hopefully
2: they have some scooters we can ride around and almost kill uh get dentless killed on hopefully they
1: don't pretend like they don't know us <laughs> <laughs> right yeah hopefully we don't get big time while we're there so well, with that Owen, i think we can do this amazing podcast with matt faircloth, faircloth. matt faircloth Welcome to the show. Thanks for
2: coming, man. Thank it's you good so to have much. You. I, I, yeah. I can
0: tell so quickly. This is going to be such a fun. You know, like you ever get into a conversation, like, "Oh, this is going to be good," or you know, like walk <laughs> into a room and like, "Oh, this is going to be such. Like, this is going to suck a half an hour out of my life right now." This when I when when we first got on the screen, I look at you two and you guys both have old fashions in front of you, and I'm like, "It's. The, I'm so jealous right now. This is going to be <laughs> such a fun show." So well. Maybe next time.
2: It. Yeah, maybe next time you can partake as well. But we know you have to, you know, maintain your professional uh you know look here for the for your upcoming podcast after. You want to know really why I can't do it. Okay. But- so I because I'm
0: <laughs> I'm meeting uh, somebody who's number one, he's a teetotaler and all that. So I don't want to offend him or whatever. But number two, I'm meeting him in the town I live in. Right. And I've decided I'm going to be really sporty and whatnot. I'm going to ride a little electric scooter. I'm turning myself in on this. I'm going to ride an electric scooter to meet this guy. And I'm like, the last thing I need is to go rap is to be that headline real estate guy, Matt Faircloth drinks old fashions at 11am and then gets run over by an 18 wheeler truck on the way to have lunch with his, with his mother's 85 year old boyfriend. That's exactly. I'm going to go meet my mom's 85 year old boyfriend. I'm going to go have lunch with him after this, and can you, and he's also a minister.
2: <laughs> okay, well, you can be officially off the hook for Thank not being drunk, drunk while, while doing
1: all of Thank that. You.
0: <laughs> wouldn't that be me. such a spectacular headline if that happened? You know,
1: <laughs> just so you know, that what a way to go,
0: happened. right?
1: Yeah, Matt. When we were at BPCon San Diego last year, we all took the electric scooters out for brunch that morning in, uh, in San Diego, and, and and we almost died. On, D- Denless,
2: uh, our, <laughs> our producer who you can't see, like he literally, I was watching him. He was ahead of us and he almost got killed twice but on the way there.
1: Oh, so, But we got to do video. Yeah, riding, riding
0: there, I'm sure, was the time of your life. Riding back was probably oh. just just like riding on the back of death,
1: you know? Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: It was. Yeah, it we, was uh, we had no idea where we were going. We, u- we Ubered after that. Yeah, we did. <laughs>
0: we Ubered, right, right. Are you guys going to uh, go to VPcon Con Orlando? Yeah, right. yeah, right. yeah, we'll be there. Well, fashion's on me. We're having awesome. a and this also yes. to your audience too. We're having a happy hour um, at uh, at BPCon Orlando. Uh, drinks on Derosa at BPCon Orlando. Just got to go by the the Derosa Group booth at the uh, at the expo, and, we'll uh, and that. that. But now that I know you guys are ballsy enough to drink old fashions at eleven a.m. your uh, <laughs> Eastern Eastern Standard Time. I'm all in. I, I need another slice of you guys. At, at, uh, I, I don't. Days.
2: I don't know that you realize the magnitude of what you just promised because <laughs> the in. Omaha folks that we know like to drink. So you got. You're gonna have to up your uh, limit on your credit card. That's I think true. That's a, a good point.
0: Rip. If your audience is listening to a couple of guys drinking old fashions before noon, your audience is probably also listening with old fashions <laughs> in their hands as well. So I probably committed myself. And you should. Uh, see- Dude, you should see how much an old fashioned is at the Ritz Carton the Carlton and the JB and the JW Marriott man. I mean, it's like I have to take out a HELOC on my house to buy myself a <laughs> drink at that
2: place. Or you can just raise some money for it. That's there what I'll it. do. I'll just raise there capital.
1: <laughs> there, there is like twenty of us coming down from Omaha. So oh, we'll great. have a big group for our local Rhea group Let's here. Let's do it. Everybody come by <laughs> the roof.
2: Uh, Matt, I, so I had a I had a note here to ask you, and then I, I realized now after seeing you on video and what your uh, little props are, uh, that this is probably not a good question to ask because it's self-evident. But my question was Marvel or DC, <laughs> and I think I know the answer. Yeah. I'll <laughs>
0: tell you. We'll, we'll, let's Let's go there. Right.
2: Okay. Uh, somebody made
0: that sign for me behind me, um, which is uh, as a thank you for going for like hosting a show for him at some point a couple of years ago. Uh, a fellow uh, GoBundance member of mine. And if you notice, it, it's 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 got the A is the Avengers A, yep, right? I did um, notice that. I, the short answer to your question is Marvel, right? Um, but if Marvel could play Red Rover and pull one DC character over all day long, it is Superman. It rhymes, right? <laughs> Hundred percent, Superman comes over to Marvel. If they could bring one character over, if I could direct that, or if any Marvel fan could pick a a uh, a DC character to pull over to Marvel, the correct answer is Superman. But by but far and away, I'm a Marvel guy.
2: Okay, now. Yeah. Captain America, what's going on with him being tied up to your uh <laughs> your microphone there? He got a hostage uh, I, <laughs> that, I got a shield on the back, and if
0: you guys can see it on the screen, I got a shield back there I really I look up to Captain America and it, he's kind of like my my um spirit animal superhero right um and the reason for that is and I was never into the comic books as a kid I was into the, uh, mo- I got very into the movies when they started like 10, 15, 10, 12 years ago, right? And my nine-year-old Man. son and I have watched all of them together. Um, and there's a lot, there's some life, I mean, you know, some of it's kind of pomp and circumstance, but a lot of it's, uh, there's some life lessons in there too. Um, and Captain America's character, Steve Rogers, uh, what I love about him and why I embody him as my spirit animal is he was strong on the inside first. If you remember him, he was like you, you know uh, 120 pounds, soaking wet. Um, you know, kept trouble, but he wanted to serve his country, wanted to uh, do better, wanted to defend humanity, wanted to do good. So he kept trying to sneak into the army. He couldn't do it because he was too small, too sickly, whatever. And through science, he became strong on the outside. So many superheroes had like a mishap, like they, you know, get bit by a spider or whatever, you know? um, And then all of a sudden they're amazing and they have to, de- they like the, you know, life gives them superhuman skills and their, their hero's journey is learning to accept their heroes, their, their skills that, that they, that have been dealt to them by getting hit by a bolt of lightning or by getting bit by a spider, whatever, right? Captain America's journey is different. He wanted to be something great already. And tried that and then science gave it to him. And then he immediately, you know, was able to, you know, kind of had to own the greatness that he had, but it was certainly not dealing with some mishap or mistake that had happened to him. You know, science saw something good in him and it brought it out. And I believe that we all have something great in us. Um, and so I think that through whatever it is, entrepreneurship, real estate, uh, you just become the highest version of yourself. That's our, we are all Captain America because it's our journey. We don't need science to become great. It's, I think we all are great on the inside and that's really how you are successful in life is you become great here and then it automatically works its way out. You actually don't need science to bring it out of you. But if you become great on the inside first, it just shows up.
2: Right I have two I have two thoughts on what you said. I I love that. But my my first one is uh you could say the same thing about money because they say money amplifies uh the you know who people Absolutely. really are, right? So if you're a bad person, you know yeah. you can see there's rich people out there that don't aren't the best people, but the ones that are, they use that for philanthropy and like a lot of yeah. other good stuff. But the other thing I wanted to point out is. In my home office, where I have, uh, like, where I do some podcasts and and whatever, I have Deadpool um, mm-hmm. as That's a great. prop in my my stuff. So. I don't know really what that says about me and you. With you're you a, a twisted right? human being. That's what yeah, that says. That's exactly. Yeah. So I'm Deadpool. You're Captain America. Yeah. I, we'll just leave it at that. If you
0: love Deadpool, you have a strong inner 18-year-old. You know, um, <laughs> Definitely do. That's just slightly perverted, slightly twisted, slightly cynical, the whole thing. You know, I mean, just kind of like cynical on life and kind of like, why am I doing this again? Right? Um, which is fantastic. I mean, the Deadpool movies are great uh, because they're just, they're somewhat anti- um and anti-superhero because he he straight he breaks the fourth wall and starts talking to the audience which you just that's protocol you don't do that you know but he starts doing that and everything like that so he's very anti-rules which i love deadpool
2: i went and saw dead the first deadpool movie it, it i don't know if you remember this but it opened on valentine's day <laughs> i went and watched it at midnight on valentine's day jen did not go with you she one. did not go with me <laughs> but he did say in the movie it's a love story if you remember <laughs> if you're a marvel fan but uh anyway i digress Great so stuff. this is good stuff we i want to make sure we cover the uh the superhero uh topic so would you By say way, that? one more thing uh, i think ryan reynolds is the one
0: person who has crossed over from dc to marvel because he was the green lantern uh i think um
2: and he the also played was. deadpool um, yeah. I, yeah, I love that he makes fun of himself about starring in Green Lantern yeah. <laughs> like all the time. He knows it's terrible. It wasn't it? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Not his best work. So, yeah. would you say that Matt, Matt Faircloth got his spider bite? by First, getting the Rich Dad Poor Dad book in your hands twenty That's exactly years ago—that was it. That, that, that
0: was my spider bite, and I, but I knew I—I w- I mean, again, I'm Captain America, right? I wanted to make a difference in the world, and my science, my money that hit me, whatever that uh, that, that made that allowed me to have a voice, that allowed me to bring my greatness forth into the world, was reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, getting me in tune. I was—I was actually a hardworking um, sales rep. I was—I worked for Ingersoll Rand, which is one of the like I guess Fortune 100 companies. Uh, I sold their skills, heavy right? machinery, all across the United States, um, and, uh, and 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 you know worked hard for them, but just didn't realize I was just trading hours for dollars and working, just working hard, making somebody else wealthy, um, and kind of a hamster in a wheel. Didn't realize, you know, I'm, I was like the fish is not aware of the water it was in, and the employee me. Was not aware of the hamster wheel that I was sitting inside. (laughs) Uh, And Rich Dad Poor Dad made me, you know, kind of like Neo in the Matrix. Uh, I I became aware of my surroundings for the first time and stepped out of the hamster wheel immediately after I read that book.
2: Now, we want to give acknowledge that uh, you're you're arguably better half. Uh, Liz is also involved in in your business and is a very active uh, real estate investor herself and she's part of the
1: start that she start uh-huh. investor yep. invest she her is. with uh uh alessandra right i am not gonna say i i uh, i knew about liz before i, I knew about you <laughs>
0: <laughs> dude listen I, it's, it's all good i have turned into liz's husband okay um i am always been liz's husband as a proud husband of my wife no matter what she chooses to do but when i go to events Guys, I, I've I've done this sometimes. I probably won't do this at BPCon because I actually am. I get to be Matt as well at BPCon, but at a lot of events, I'll write Liz's husband on the name tag, you know, um, because at well, Invest her con that she has, and she had like you know 500 raving women. I was just Liz's husband. That's all good. I'm the guy with the. I'm I'm holding the purse with the kids in the corner proud husband of my wife, you know, um, and and everything like that. And also I've I've taken my name tag around at events and turned it around the other way and written Liz is not here. Because if I'm there by myself, (laughs) every woman that comes up to me, every woman, is Liz here too? Is Liz here too? I get tired of like, no, she's not here. No, she's not here. Or yes, she's over there, right? So um, I'm very proud of her. Uh, she is a big advocate for women's rights, women's wealth, uh, all things women, and um, and yeah, I'm very very grateful to have her in, in my life. And as my, she's my business partner too. She's one half of Derosa as well. Um, so her and I founded Derosa 18 years ago.
1: So uh, at BBCon in New Orleans, uh, Andressa and I got talking. <laughs> And uh we we c uh, I found out my mom was born in the same city that she's that she's from. You from Brazil also? And, yeah, São Paulo, yeah. And uh and then and then but before we know it, we're we're doing a limbo contest <laughs> <laughs> and and Alex is there and he snaps a picture and it ends up on a, one of the oh ones. Alex Felice yeah Felice is yeah. taking a picture at the end and it ends up in a reel so that's what we brought up when we interviewed Alex what, about a year ago yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> he's like, fantastic <laughs> he but,
0: captures life it, life's life's finer moments very quick I, I, I don't know how he's able to to push that camera shutter at the moment that he does um but he's captured so many moments in a photo uh like I've seen no one else do I really look up to him. Him and what it would his which and his gift
2: he's so uh, and he's such a like he is so sarcastic yes. i love that about him because oh, I, I do too
1: <laughs> it, was a great, it was a really fun interview
0: <laughs> yeah it was he's uh, like the one guy that i respect that they like when i when he's got me on camera or whatever he's directed a lot of our content and he'll tell me straight up to go f myself you know mm-hmm. um <laughs> funny story he'll admit to this um that there was a point where he was doing a shoot with Andressa and she's also an mf right? Like she's, you know, right? She, she's a force to be reckoned with as well. Um, so right when they first meet, he goes, listen, I normally tell people what to do and exactly what to, and I, I kind of I direct and order them around. I can already tell that's not going to work for you. So do, <laughs> can you and I just agree that, that I'll just give you some direction and you just try and follow as much of my rules as you can? You know, like kind of like, just can, can I drive a little bit here? You know, and they like they, they kind of hammered it out in about thirty seconds on how their protocol was going to go. But he immediately sniffed out that she was not going to put up with it. So
1: that's funny. Alpha <laughs> yeah. recognized another alpha. Him, uh, him and I got him and I got chatting just uh, a few months ago. I, I posted some stuff. I went to a Tool concert actually with uh, Colin Schwartz, and I posted it. And he's like, and uh, he, he started commenting back and forth, and we're like, come to find out, each each of us favorite band is Tool. Who, <laughs> Alex? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So we got. I saw you put that on. Uh, he put that on Instagram. You know
0: uh about his favorite band being toy he was like what's the best band ever or something like that whatever and all these people wrote and then tool became his favorite i'm like oh okay i get it that that explains it it's
2: like it's like the modern day pink floyd uh i don't know about all no, that it but is but and,
1: it's a rock jam session
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay so matt what DeRosa group where yeah. does that name come from you're like what's the story with people it's not your last that. name
0: People never ask that question, but it's it's a it's a good fun foundational question, right? Um, when Liz and I first started the company, um, we didn't want to be as egotistical, to like you know, uh, just the Faircloth Group, um, and uh, you know, to have like and and whatnot, but also. We did. We knew that if you do that or name something that's a little too dreamy or just, you know, egotistical enough to be just your last name it's on dream. a company, no, you know, no, not, no, uh, not pointing at anybody specifically naming a real estate company with their own name on it. Right. Um, but, uh, but I, I also, wanted it to appear to be a larger company than it really was when it was just Liz and I, right? Oh, interesting. We needed a name. And I I give that guidance to anybody listening that's starting a business. Don't ever put your last name on it because it's very clear that you're operating by yourself when you first get started. You need to be seen in this business to be larger than you are. you got to fake it till you make it, even just for a little bit, um, until you grow, Right. So we needed a name that was, that, that had strength, that was beyond us. Uh, and so we looked around us and we also believe in naming things after family or naming things after, uh, lineage or whatever. So DeRosa is her mother's maiden name from, you know, from Naples, Italy. Right. Um, and so, uh, so, uh, that's where the name DeRosa comes from, is from Liz's family lineage. Um, and, and so, but we knew it was a, strong enough name it kind of has like a stumbats tony soprano don't mess with us kind (laughs) of right um and so that's where the name that's why we chose the name but the name comes from her mom
2: yeah i like it so uh derosa group now you um and i know you've spent a lot of time on other podcasts talking about your original deals and and how you got started so to kind of like just fast forward through this you started out originally uh, with a loan from your now father in law or or uh, parents in law, yeah. is that
0: right? From Salvatore uh, Randazzi from Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> I, borrow, I borrowed thirty yeah. grand from a guy named Salvatore. Okay, with lots of vowels in his name, right? Like he's like six foot three, whatever. Um, you don't pay, you're gonna get buried. I yeah, he's like gaming. he, he doesn't.
2: He's like I don't bother with personal guarantees. If you owe me, I, like this That's is it. your life. I'm so you, know. you a
0: debt. Yeah, yeah. You you now have a debt to me,
2: right? Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, I've done you a favor. So no, but and this is why we were still dating. So
1: naturally, by the way, what's that? Yeah, you say it so naturally. Yeah,
0: I know. Well, I I, I've been married to her for eighteen years, so I can talk like her dad now, right? Um. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was why we were still dating that he chose to do that. Right. And, and that had a lot of faith, all joking aside. I mean, he totally could have been the mafia, but ended up becoming a school teacher, but, um, but great human being and saw that her and I were going somewhere, saw how passionate we are. We were about what we were doing and we still are, of course. Um and wanted to support us and offered a we offered we asked him he offered kind of like a mutual thing he had some extra money, uh so we borrowed thirty k from him and bought a duplex while we were still dating in Philadelphia, um and immediately uh one tenant we have to evict a tenant immediately the next tenant's like like you know clinically insane cursing me out on the phone calling me two o'clock in the morning you know everything like that I mean so I, I I like went to the school of hard knocks immediately for landlording. As soon as we bought the property, um and, and everything like that. So it was, you know, we, we got we got tossed in and, uh, and and Salvatore got his money back and now he's one of our uh, regular investors uh with our company. Still is investing with us today.
1: Is that how you met Tony Brown? Was he one of the enforcers?
0: Tony Brown. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, T Brown. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I met Tony because he's just like a like a like a great the, you know, awesome Philly dude, um, you know, Oracle, of uh, he's the, he's the real estate Oracle of Omaha, you know, with you guys out there. So, uh, trying to buy Omaha one, uh, one property at a time. So I forget how we met originally, but we've known each other for years. He'll be a pecan also, I think he will. Yeah. yeah.
2: Now Tony, um, so we, we had him on probably, I think four or five episodes ago on our podcast. And he, uh, I, we asked him settle the argument who has the best cheesesteak. In Philadelphia, and his his claim was, and I I know you owned real estate there, but I don't know. Did you ever live in Philly? Many or, years, or, yeah. Okay. So, Liz and I met. Liz was a, finishing up at U at UPenn when we first met. So, okay, um, see, gotcha. Yeah,
0: I've no, I know that city very well
2: and lived there for years. So I have a note here that says, Tony Brown feels that D'Alessandro's has the best cheesesteak in all of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your take on That's that?
0: That's very good. Yeah. The, 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 I, Pats and Geno's are BS, man. They're not. Um, they are the tourist traps. That's where you're going to go. Um, if you're a tourist, you're going to go and debate over whether Pats is better than Geno's. They're both garbage. Okay. Um, and, uh, and that there used to be one that burned down called Jim's Cheesesteaks, which was on the other end of South Street. That was very good. They're reopening. Um, I used to live around the corner from DeLo's, you know, uh, from DeLo's Andros up in up uh, up in um, East uh, Roxborough, uh, just north of Maniok. So I, when I lived in Maniunk, uh, so I <laughs> there's a golf course next to DeLo's Andros, okay. Um, and so we would go at, in our early 20s, go get a six pack, play golf, and then on the after the ninth hole, we would drive in the golf cart. To Delos, park the golf cart out front. Walk in, get a cheesesteak and take it with us for the back nine. I um, want to do that.
2: I would. That would. That sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You tell, like things a twenty
0: things a twenty two year old would do for a thousand. You know, like yeah, right. Yeah. I've yeah. only been
1: handcuffed once in my life, and it was when the golf <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. Oh, we're like so be picture like sitting at a stoplight in a golf cart. You know, people are like sitting next to us in their cars. Like, what? And you you're what? You're here? Why? You know, like that's yeah, a public course. Who knows, right?
1: No, uh, now, to give Tony full credit, when we did interview him, he went above and beyond to make sure he and Old Fashioned ready to go. When we he did, him. yeah. Well, we didn't prep Matt uh, properly. I didn't either, know. So next time, next time
2: we'll uh, we'll make yeah. sure you're here.
0: If I wasn't meeting uh, my mother's minister boyfriend, <laughs> eighty five years old, and I'm gonna ride a scooter to go meet him, I really would. Um, yeah, T- tell me like about the Old Fashioned though. We'll talk about Old Fashioned. Like, where did you? How did you guys get into Old Fashions? And I'll talk about how I got into them.
1: Well, we both are bartenders, uh, at one point in there our lives. Yeah. And, and I just uh and I always felt an old fashioned is the best cocktail that you could ever have.
2: Well, when you hit forty years old and you're a white guy in America, pretty much you turn to IPAs and old fashions. That's your that's your jam, well, right? I mean, it's a right of passion. Denless yeah. isn't
1: white. Or 40 and he drinks them with – he's drinking one right now. That's so. true.
2: But he's only once a month. I, he's got training wheels on until he hits 40. I yeah.
1: Think.
2: <laughs> Guys, yeah. I used to drink
0: IPAs and old fashions and then I found that I had celiac and so I can't drink IPAs oh. anymore. And so th- another thing that happens to middle-aged men is like, oh, I guess I can't eat bread and pizza and cheesesteaks and all that shit, right? So, and, I, um, and I can't drink either. I get it.
2: Yeah, oh, so
0: no, I can't drink IPAs, so I got to just drink old fashions. We started doing a lot of work as a company in Kentucky, um, in, uh, in 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 uh, Lexington, Kentucky. My company owns twelve apartment buildings in Kentucky. Um, the very first one that we bought, um, the second one we bought, Jay Scott. That's why that's where Jay Scott came out to Kentucky and looked at the building with me, um, in that. And so by working out there, and we talked to Jay, we talked about Jay Scott offline and all and everything like that. But anyway um in in working out there in Kentucky they bleed bourbon right it is just it is there it it, it it's 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 like it's like in the water fountains you know <laughs> um uh there the uh the name uh, like their their theme for the state is unbridled spirit right think about that unbridled horse spirit yep. booze right um so you go to bars in Kentucky and there's not like two or three different bourbons like, Oh, we have bullet and we have Jack Daniels, which one would you like? Right. (laughs) They have this wall of bourbon. Like it's literally like if they don't have at least 30 bottles, they're not a real, they're not a, they're not a serious Kentucky bar. Okay. Um, and they do this thing where you can go and buy a barrel or have your own private label from these, from these barrels and stuff like that, which is crazy. Um, and the guys would show up, and I don't know if you guys were like they—they'd they'd wear like the leather aprons, hardcore, like they're either going to do some welding or they're going to make you a drink, one of the two, right? Um, and they would have like the little eyedroppers and stuff like that. It was crazy. And I, I've gotten into drinking old fashions out there now. Do you guys? Um, are, you, are you muddling the orange? And are you? Uh, are you doing? You're not doing smoke infusion, right? Well, you didn't actually. I have oranges
1: in there. you didn't, I didn't money. know.
2: So yeah. usually he has a blowtorch. So we usually like, uh, like you know, we do it. We do it right. So we you take torch the, orange the edge of the and, orange and to it. Yep. yep. I love then, yeah. Love that. Yes. You ever come to Omaha, man? You got to look us up. We'll hook I'm you all up
0: with in. some. i uh, I don't know how well what I'm going to make them in Orlando. Um, yeah. and I'm sure they'll be expensive, but I'm not sure how good they're going to be.
1: <laughs> I'm a cigar guy, so that that's really where the passion oh. came from. I, I, you know, I. I have a cigar club. I have a cigar box at my club. I like to, that's when when clients want to meet me, I'm like, you buy an old fashioned, I'll provide a cigar.
0: Yeah. (laughs) A buddy of mine just joined a cigar club in uh, Princeton and he had me out to visit. And it's it's, so, it is a speakeasy cigar club. So you walk in the front door and you've got to know the password to get in the back door because it comes off like a coffee shop. You walk in this coffee shop, like, this place, why does this place reek of cigars? You know? And it's a legit. (laughs) Barista, guys, guy will make you a coffee to walk out the door with. But if you want to get in that back room, and it says the back room has this big sign on that says staff only, right? Mm. And if you say the password, he's like, you know, okay, what's your name? Do you have an appointment? He pulls a clipboard and he crosses off your name and he takes you in the back room and it's straight up like dim lights, you know, bartender with the handlebar mustache going on in the back and everything like that. It's amazing. And they've got, Every stick you've ever heard of in there, uh, so if, we'd, if we we um, we smoked a cigar. He, uh, this guy's into um, uh, Moscow mules. So we had a Moscow mule, which is okay, not my favorite, but it was still good. If
1: yeah. I was ever to start a bar in town, it would be exactly what you just said. Right? Yeah, yeah. I like the like.
2: It looks like an almost an old library type yes. feel to it, like a lot of like o- you know the mahogany and yes. the, like dark, dark paint on the walls, right? And, like not too bright a light.
1: Yeah, leather Real chair, paintings on Thursday.
2: the wall, leather. Yes. yes. Well,
1: if, if you're smart about it, though, it's it's a dual income business. The front business can be open, you know, first thing in the morning, all the way through, but you also have a secondary business in back. So,
2: yeah, okay. Well, well let's workshop this. So, yes. Like, we'll we'll put a plan together, right. and we can. I'm in. Raise, if you guys need investors, for- <laughs> if you guys need
0: investors for the for probably the first yeah. speakeasy in Omaha, um, and that, I will, I will, I, I'll well, help you raise that, and I'll, I'll come in on it with you myself, because. I love this. Yeah. This
2: is exactly how I hope this would go. Um, well, okay, so now, actually, better now, now that we're uh, kind of like teasing the edge here of uh, raising money for deals, um, Matt. What? So you obviously have had a lot of experience in uh, raising money over the years, putting it into. You've be, become known as the guy that mm-hmm. is the expert on raising money. You yeah. penned a book. Uh, when was that published? This was published in 2018. It just had its five-year
0: birthday, and we just released a new version of it with a forward written... Do I have another copy? I'm that guy. I don't have a copy over here on my desk to show you, but um, we just released a new version um, uh, with a forward written by Pace Morby and new content written by me um, for the five-year birthday of Raising Private Capital.
1: So. that's funny because for our hundredth episode, we had pace More Beyond, yep. uh, to celebrate Yep. It, it hasn't aired yet, but yeah, we just, we, we <laughs> oh, recorded sweet. it a couple
2: of weeks ago. He's yeah. a great guy, man. I uh, love him. Yeah. Just so fun to talk to. Yeah, like
0: yeah. I, so, can
2: see, I can see why you guys get along. Given well. his success. It is
0: really admirable how down to earth he still is, you know, Um, he doesn't come off like a guy that's got an A&E TV show and this and that. I flew out and met him for InvestorCon for Liz's conference. He lives in Scottsdale. So me and Pace spent the day together. Liz let me sneak out for the day to go hang out with him. And me and Pace toured his office with like 200 employees, right? And then we went out for burgers and just sat and ate burgers and talked shop at my, I had my first In-N-Out burger, which of course I had to have without the bun. Um, but, uh, went to (laughs) In-N-Out burger and just sat and talked shop at In-N-Out burger, which I'd never had before. Um, which oh my goodness you want to talk they're about? so good
2: yeah I get <laughs> wow. every time I go somewhere on the west coast I always always make a point to go to In-N-Out that I, I love it. Else, some people man. are like some people are like oh that's not it's not real th-. I'm like okay whatever it's great Try I, it.
1: I I chaperoned a, a church youth trip up there and uh, took we took like 40 kids inside there. And they, of course, they all knew about the secret menu. Oh, the, yeah. And they're all like animal, animal, animal
2: style and like all that, all that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what animal
0: style was. Pace orders his burger and goes, give me this da, 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 animal style. And I'm like, what? Animal style. He goes, just get it without the bun and get it animal style. And they do it. And it was like, it, it was even better. You know, so it was, it was something else. Anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome.
2: So, um, um you're now, okay. You have, uh, the book, a new edition coming out soon, which is great. Um, I know you've been on kind of a podcast barrage lately, right? It looks like you've been on a guest on a lot of them. You've got your own podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk, talk a little about, bit of a tear. Um, I, yeah. What's that like? Uh, so how, like when you, I, I was just curious, so you published, we've had a few, you know, folks that have the published books on, including Jay Scott, and uh brandon turner and we, i'm always curious how did your life or did your life change after you wrote the book what was it like putting it, it, it together and and kind of maybe give us a before and after uh like w- what's a, a life in the a day in the life of an author
0: well yeah it, it's it's interesting and so um i th- there were steps towards the attention that you get right like you know i'm sure pace has a life before he went on a and e and then a life after that right um uh, so for me the first step was starting to write articles for bigger pockets and start, I started to write articles for them. And after like, my three or fourth dozen uh, dozen articles that I had written, I started to get attention and started like, hey, this guy doesn't know who he's talking about. So my phone starts to ring, right? Um, then Bigger Pockets puts me on the podcast for the very first time as a guest. I was so nervous. I had to chug a beer in the other room to calm my <laughs> nerves a little bit because I'd never been on a serious podcast like that before in my life. Yeah, um, right. Josh Dorkin called it out before the show. He was like, hey, man, you're all right? And I was just really nervous, you know, um, and, uh, in that, and so, but that opened up all kinds of, I started to have people just showing up in my office building. Cause at that time I owned an office building in Trenton and people just started showing up on the door saying, Hey, I really loved your story. Want to see if we can talk shop or whatever. So that's the beginning of the attention. And then I got used to, you kind of get used to that level of noise and notoriety and like, okay, I got to treat this with respect because now I've worked hard for this. and Now I have it. Then a few more podcasts come up and everything like that. And bigger pockets a lot, you know, they come to us. They came to me and said, We love what you do. We think you've gotten to be a pretty good art, a pretty, pretty good writer writing articles for us for a couple of years. We'd like for you to write a book. And I said, Okay. So I pitched them on two books, which they said no on. And then I pitched like, well, I've raised a lot of money. I could do a how-to on that. And they said yes. Um, and so the third pitch they said yes to. And, um, at the end of the day, uh, that's how raising private capital came about. And I said, okay, guys, but I'm gonna put a lot of my personal story in there. Cause that's how I know how to write. Um, I'm gonna put a lot of how to, of course, on how to raise money. Cause that's what I really know how to do in my company. And, um, it, it took me about a year to write. It was a labor of love. There were a lot of times where I freaking hated that book while I was writing it. Like, I just want to hang out with my kids and I want to sit and write a book. Um, cause it's hard. That's uh, that's one thing to, to bottom line it. Right. Writing an actual book, writing an article is one thing. Writing a eighty thousand word book is really tough to do because there's a lot of discipline. There's a lot of time. I mean, I was like, oh, how, how hard could it be? It's like it was like it was like having a second job. Um, but it was uh, it was enjoyable at times. Very hard to do at other times. And I'm so grateful I did it because it really opened up a lot of possibilities for me as a business person. And it really opened up. I'm about helping people. I'm not about like just making as much money as I can. I'm really about making a difference. And I realized how much of an impact I got to make with that book. I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me and have either been able to quit their job. Uh, I had one guy who, uh, through the technology in the book, was able to raise He's moved here from Argentina. Right, built up enough real estate through the technology in the book, built himself up enough passive income that he now was able to move back to Argentina to be with his family and now supports his family with the income that he made through US investments. I get another guy who lives this alternative lifestyle. Don't, and I don't envy this, um, but through the technology in the book, lives on the beach with his girlfriend in a van in Cabo okay? Um, and he's got internet in the van and he's got a full lifestyle there. I mean, it's a typical millennial life, right? So he just wants to, it makes like 7K pass of a, a month and lives like a king on the beach in Cabo, living like at just his expenses are way less than that, let's say. But that's his reality, uh, that he was able to do that. And I was able to at least point him in the direction to the book. And so it is very rewarding that it's been able to affect the people in, in the ways that it has.
2: I I really like what you said there about because I, I've struggled with you know like we, we have <clears throat> we just recorded our hundredth episode like we mentioned of uh, of the the podcast and Sweet. you know we're we're trying to obviously get more uh, inroads nationally but uh, a lot of people and you know Ted owns the local RIA here mm-hmm. I help out here and there with that and uh, another pretty active meetup that's in town. So, we kind of have like our locals that all know us and, you know, like have participated that we've had on the podcast. But I've, I've, I've originally struggled. You know, you were talking about how you had to like slam a beer before the bigger pockets podcast. I think it's normal to be, you know, nervous and, and feel maybe, and I am, I don't want to put my stuff on you, but I would assume maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome where you're like feeling a little weird about putting yourself out there with mm-hmm. something where somebody listening to it might be like, he doesn't know. I know way more than that guy. And That's always the Absolutely. fear: is somebody somebody pointing out stuff that you said that is not right because they're way more knowledgeable and experienced. That's the biggest fear I think from anybody that hasn't. The bottom to line,
0: it man, the the words in my head at the time were, "I do not deserve to be here." Right? Yeah. Um, and I think that anyone that tells you they don't have that little voice in their head on a regular basis, they're full of it. Right? We all do. Right. We all have that little voice that says, I don't know if I've earned this. I don't know. I think I just got lucky. I don't, I don't know. I think they're all going to see that I'm a fraud. Right. Um, and I, you know, I get it. We're in a world. We're not frauds. We all worked very hard, but there's a little me voice. It's like big me, little me. Right. And little me says a lot of bad things a lot of the time. Right. And it's about, I was with my nine year old. Um, and we all, and my nine year old has it. Right. We were playing soccer. Like he and I were just shooting goals on each other and he missed like, six in a row. And his little me voice started talking to him and started saying bad stuff. Like all my friends are better than me. I'm not sure if I want to play soccer anymore. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to do this. And I had to give him a talking to and I was like, listen, man, come on, let's try it again. And eventually we we learned about things we can say to little me. Like um, I taught him the phrase, um, no, thank you. I'm going to try again. Mm-hmm. To tell it a little me, right, and that's for my from a nine year old. That's what he needed to hear, and then he kept doing. Before you knew it, he was pegging the top left hand corner of the goal, like with like a hook shot, like doing like the doing the bend the bend shot. which he knows how to do, he just kept missing, right? He just kept missing the goal box. But then he just one little minor adjustment and he nailed it, right? And I think that that's what a lot of us tell ourselves: "Oh, I can't do this. I'm not worth it. I'm not. I'm not worthy or whatever." But yeah, I, I think that it, it's it's a matter of acting. Uh, in the face of that, because I could have certainly told Bigger Pockets no when they asked me to be on the Bigger Pockets podcast. I I my, my could have let little me take over and said, "Now nah, you know what I'm. I'm not ready for that yet." And I see a lot of people say, "I'm not ready for that yet." Whatever that is, to say I'm not ready for that thing that life's offering me.
2: Now you've been on uh, the BP podcast what three times? Is that right?
0: I've been on as a guest four times, and I've been a host or a co-host, uh, maybe like a half dozen or more times. Um, I just hosted a couple weeks, a couple, like a month ago, I think I was, what well, was the, uh, the co-host.
2: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and to kind of put a bow on this, uh, thought, uh, with the imposter syndrome thing, I, I love that. I, I think, um, Denless, our producer who was on briefly earlier, he has kind of, I always struggled a little bit with, uh, the whole like putting myself out there thing, especially on video. Like I have a face for radio, obviously. And I have always struggled with trying to just be comfortable enough with uh, just being on camera. And like, it's, it's a yeah. weird thing because you can't take it back, right? Everybody nope. sees it. Like you can't, there's no do overs mm-hmm. if you're, if you're live and, and releasing it that way. But he, he kind of instilled in me where it's like, you're doing people a disservice because i was always a one-on-one guy i would yeah. go out and meet you know well i and i still do but i i have coffee and lunches and stuff a lot of times with newer investors experienced investors and so on and i just kind of you know we talk and share ideas and whatever and i typically feel like i got more out of it than whoever i met with even if they were <laughs> new and i like yeah. that but Dentalis kind of instilled in me where he's like you are doing yourself a disservice by not magnifying your platform mm-hmm. and touching more people yep. with your you know the things that you know even if you don't know all of it, you know more than a lot of people mm-hmm. and I think i am I'm, I'm coming around to grabbing onto that and and kind of like making up my own a little bit but i I mean kudos. Kudos to you because there's no hiding a lot of times, especially when you're on a huge platform, like the most visible platform, like Bigger yeah. Pockets, And you've got a, you know, you've got a book out there and you've got a podcast and you've been on a lot of podcasts. So yeah, it's like, it takes balls. But to I do, never to knew
0: it really where it was going to take me. Uh, Like when we first had the call with them, like Liz, Liz, my wife kicked the door. I did just to give her kudos where she, where she deserves it, man. She saw this fledgling startup website that was that, uh, a lot more people for real estate investing were starting to get attention. It was starting to go there. Um, and she approached them and said, Hey, do you guys need more bloggers? And this is sure. We'll interview you. Uh, to come to, we'll interview you to see if you want to, to see if you're worthy of writing a blog. And so we call and it's Brandon Turner interviewing me and Liz on whether or not we are worthy to write for the blog. Cause he's like hire number two for the company, right? It was him <laughs> and Mindy Jensen, um, with, with the, with the early hires. And so he was handling their blog onboarding. Right. And the whole time during the call, I'm calling it better pockets in the phone call. <laughs> right? Um, some, but I didn't know where that was going to go. Right. Uh, I just, I just knew that this company was, was going to be something that maybe I wanted to do. And Brandon just kind of laughed it off. And of course was forgiving about it. And the whole time my cell phone was blowing me up going, idiot. It's bigger pockets, fool. It's bigger pockets, whatever. So I finally got it right at the end. Um, but I just, I, I just, you know, I'd like just like anyone, right. With opportunity. You just put one foot in front of the other, right? You can't see the whole staircase. You you know you just got to just take the next right step. And so the next right step was to do a really good job writing articles and go all in on that. And I did for a year. And then a podcast come up. And after I chug a beer, I gave a good podcast, right? Um, and then just keep going. And they they asked me to pitch them on a book, so I do, and a book comes up. And so I, I think that I'm not sure where it goes from here. Who knows, right? Um, but for anybody. I had no idea that I was going to be in this position with them. I'm, I'm eternally grateful for B, for BP in my life and in my business, and for to call them a partner. It's fantastic. But I, uh, I I had no idea that it was going to put me here. It was only by just doing the next right thing each time that I believe that I am here. And I've had so many people come to me and say, "Hey, I want to." These people out of nowhere that have never been on Bigger Pockets, never written an article for them, don't even have an account. Hey, I want to host the Bigger Pockets podcast too. How do I do that? like, well, you, you, you do the 10,000 kicks you put in the work, you know, <laughs> that's how you do it. You start washing dishes if they ask you to, you know, um, and then do a great job, whatever they ask you to do. And then, you know, you're, you're, nobody's entitled to anything. And by not, by not feeling entitled to anything with them, I've been able to slowly add value, you know? So, so that, that's a short, that's a very, very long answer to, to I think what you're getting at there.
1: You would, I love you, it. You would think that since Owen was a, one of the first investors into Bigger Pockets, uh, you would have been able to get on the get on to the uh, podcast now, by now.
2: No, he's. We've <laughs> talked about this before, but like when John, I I found it around the same time you did. I yeah. think probably like two thousand seven or eight, something like that. Yep. And uh, and I had I loved it because I felt like I finally found uh, an outlet and a community that believed in the same things I did and and had the weird you know real estate bug, and I. Uh, I, I remember this. Uh, Josh was at the time. You know, I, it, now that I kind of know the whole story, he was working like eighty hours a week in his living room, mm-hmm. and you know, just bootstrapping the whole thing. And he's like, uh, he opened it up. Like, anybody want to donate to the site? <laughs> And I don't know if you remember this, but he, the, there actually used to be a donor, like a little, uh, what do you call it? The icon yeah. above your, above your, um, account or your well, like, like the, a, like the precursor, a precursor account. to go fund me. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I sent <laughs> yeah. a hundred, I sent a hundred bucks in yeah. and I was like, oh man, this guy's great. I'm so glad he's doing this to so send him a hundred bucks. And then I, uh, I had no idea that this was going to happen, but he sent me a bigger pocket sweatshirt in like 2008 <laughs> or nine. And it was a hoodie, like, like a nice pretty good quality hoodie and I, I have no idea where it is now. I so wish I still had it. But I it was like ripped and I wore it to the gym and spilled coffee Jen on it. Jen Gateway goodwill. Probably. <laughs> yeah. But um no Matt, it's so great. I uh if you wouldn't mind, let's uh since you are the expert in raising money, if we could touch on that just for a minute. And uh my my question, I would love to hear you maybe talk this through. Um you've been known to put together all kinds of different uh, like facets of creative finance. So everything from raising, uh, you know, private money to coincide with your regular financing. You've raised money from, uh, mafia bosses, allegedly <laughs> maybe. Um, and how do you like right now you own uh, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you own a few thousand mm-hmm. assets under management, mm-hmm. right? You've put you, together yeah. enough deals. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Mm-hmm. But thank you. What, what, uh, what? How? When you find a deal, like let's take maybe your most recent deal. Like, what's uh, what's something that you have uh, put together recently as a as a you know a package for an investor? Sure,
0: we're we're actually it's been very hard to get multifamily to work these days financially, so we had to pivot. Uh, investors need a home for their cash, um, and so we started a uh, income fund. Um, and, uh, we're just raising money and putting it into this income fund. And the money goes into hard money loans, which what I like about them is they cash flow day one. Um, they're liquid right? So they're liquid enough that in, if an investor wants their money back within a couple months notice, we can give it to them. Um, and they can compound their returns. All three things you can't do with multifamily. and it's, it's, We're not going to not do multifamily anymore, but while multifamily kind of settles itself down, because multifamily is super weird right now um, with interest rates and with cap rates. I mean, it's it's in a weird spot. Cap rates are really low, interest rates are really high. Um, Insurance is gone. Insurance and multifamily guys is up 33% this year, right? When one, not even the year's not even over yet, right? So, um, multifamily um, is a funky spot for new investments. We're still looking, we've bid, we've underwritten like 300 deals this year. Um, so we, we still are passionate about multifamily, but what we are doing until multifamily decides to give us a deal that makes fiscal sense for us. And we're not going to force a square peg. We've just decided to pivot into other things like hard money. Um, and we've raised, you know, millions uh, for our hard money fund. And it's uh, I, this month we're returning over 10% yield to investors.
2: I I love that you're not a like you know if you're a hammer everything looks like a nail yep. and now you instead of and you became known as ra- the raising money guy you created a fund raised money from investors who are looking for safety and yield right yep. and instead of forcing the issue with what you knew in multifamily and buying something that may have been a questionable asset choice with the interest rate environment mm-hmm. that we're in and all the you know kind of wild cards that we're dealing with you you Kind of pivoted and put it into a, a high yield, uh, you know, segment mm-hmm. where you're you're still able to give them good returns yep. while you make the right decision mm-hmm. with where they place it from the long term perspective. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that. Thank you. But when one one thing in particular, just let's um maybe like current state of the market is not applicable necessarily to this conversation, but as a a fellow multifamily investor who I've uh, been involved in a small amount of syndications, but I've recently started raising capital for uh, a 506c syndication mm-hmm. that we ended up buying in Branson, Missouri, and uh, it's a hotel conversion into multifamily. So nice. that's a, an interesting, yeah, project. Love that model. But yeah. What? Uh, when I, I want to like talk this through with you. Let's say you have a deal. Maybe it's not this year, but last year you found a deal. You're underwriting it. It pencils out enough to where you say. This makes sense it's a good move for me to buy this because uh I have you know investors that are interested in this type of asset um uh, you so like how do you decide if you're gonna take down a property mm-hmm. and do a joint venture versus a five oh six b which mm-hmm. is typically a like quote unquote friends and family b for buddy. Uh, type yeah <laughs> b for buddy uh or a uh five oh six c which is more like you. You, are It's open for everybody sure. there, as long as they're accredited. And How good back to deal
0: that? size? Hundred percent deal okay. size. We haven't done a JV in a while, but um, if something showed up on my plate that I could take down with one of my more significant investors, like a couple hundred k, right? Um, like a let's say for example, a five unit apartment building, if I was seeking something like that. Um, when we did a lot of JVs, they were on fix and flips. Like the, the best JV I ever did, we built three townhouses in Philadelphia and sold them. Um, and the, the the investor showed up and he was all the money, all the equity, and we were all the sweat and the, the, the personal guarantor on the debt and all that, right? So uh, that equity check was 290K, which one investor was able to write out of his retirement account, right? Um, So the JV works for one, maybe two investors' deal size. You could JV with an investor on a 50-unit apartment building if – there if one investor is able to produce that big of a check. And it becomes not a syndication because they've got some sort of a role. That investor that got into my deal had a role. He kept the books and he also drove by the property and took some pictures once a month. It doesn't have to be much, but if you're one, maybe two investors are able to have a role in the project, you don't need to do an SEC filed syndication because those investors are active. Once it gets a little bit bigger, like let's say you got to raise a million and you don't have one investor in your network you probably in your cell phone have a million dollars, right? Um, and people might find that hard to believe, but I ask you to shift your mindset a little bit and realize that a lot of people have money that they're looking to put somewhere um, through retirement accounts, through, through uh, free and clear real estate, whatever. So let's say for our, from my company, between one to 3 million of a raise, um, we are very comfortable raising under 506 B and, you can't do much marketing at all. Uh, you got to literally just do the telephone marketing, meaning like calling your network and saying, Hey mom, or Hey dad, and Hey, or Hey cousin, Sally. Hey, you know, guy I went to high school with, or Hey person from my church or Hey next door neighbor, whatever. Hey
2: Salvador,
0: uh, yeah, you can call him up. Right. Um, (laughs) So anyway, and then Sal is good for 30 grand, but you will owe him. You will owe him a favor, right? So yeah, uh, but but you could, you can go to those people, but the limit on how much your network is going to produce has to do with A, your confidence level and B, uh, like your network's uh, ability to produce for you. If you haven't trained your network at all, they might not be able to do a large deal like that. Then you move up, move up to 506C, which is only accredited investors only. 506B is great because you can do non accredited too, but you got to keep it within your immediate network. 506C is great because you can go as big as you want, really. It just, it really disguises the, the limit with regards to uh, how much you can raise. It's just really the, what falls back is your track record. You know, if people believe that you're going to be able to pull it off and B, how creative you want to get with your marketing because 506C says you can do paid pay-per-click Google ads. You can put it on Instagram. You can put it on Facebook. You can do whatever you want, um, with regards to big marketing, um, you know, and, and the sky's the limit. And so the dollar amount typically is what governs those
1: three things. Hey Matt, we're getting really to the end here. And I know that you got to get going. Uh, but we do have a section that we're almost out of time. Let's get into the OT with Owen and Ted.
2: So in this section, we cover the same questions with all of our guests. Uh, They're going to be rapid fire. You ready for these? Yeah. (laughs) All right. ready. (laughs) Okay. So this first question is a huge softball for you. And I know we talked about it earlier. What would your first book be titled or about?
1: That was not your first book, right?
0: (laughs) If I wrote another book, if I wrote another book, it would be called Yes, You Can or something like that. Right. Um. that, that title came out of my maybe. I maybe I will write that book, but it would be about something about like you know, kind of conquering that, conquering our inner voices, um, and about doing things like taking the next step and like like how to climb a mountain, that kind of thing. Um. So it would be some. It would be more of a motivate a personal motivation book. And I'm also writing. I also am in the middle of writing a book right now with my wife about working with your spouse. Um. So that that book's in process right now. But if I were to start from zero, it would be a book of like about how to uh overcome adversity and to live the life you want
1: i'd love to read the spouse book yeah thank you uh question two if you can interview anyone in the world today on your podcast who would it be and what question do you want to ask them
0: um hmm if i could interview anyone in the world um i want to interview like like maybe some of like the, the big fish like you know, Mark Cuban, to, for an example, or Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson is a good example. I don't know how many interviews he does, but he's pivoted so many times. And it's like, you know, what was you like? Tell me about you at 18 years old. You know, like, how do you, how does Dwayne Johnson from 18 become Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson now? Like, take me through your journey. So somebody who's climbed big mountains and has been a lot of, maybe been a few different things in life. Like, I admire people like that. So maybe either one of those two.
2: Love it. Okay. Who would you choose to deliver your eulogy and what do you hope they will say about you? My son. Oh, the Okay. Yeah. I, I hope my son
0: says, says the impact that I've made on him and the legacy that I've given him and,
1: um, and, and, uh, the, the man that he saw me to be. Great answer. Which mentor in your life has had the biggest impact on you and how they influence your career or personal growth?
0: um, well okay uh, I don't there's a guy named Neil Donald Walsh that wrote a book called Conversations with God I've never met him I'd like to one day and thank him so much for what the book opened me up to spiritually but it just really got me into uh, higher power and applying that concept um that you know everything we are all one law of attraction all that stuff is all summed up in that book very well and that book really opened up my eyes to all kinds of possibilities and the, the, the man that I could grow into and that I'm really here to live my best self. And, and conversations with God turn me into turn me to that. And it's, it's a testament that you don't have to meet your mentor for them to be your mentor. They could have just written a book or shot lots of YouTube videos or whatever that you're learning from. So Neil Donna Walsh is my answer to that.
2: Perfect. Okay. Last question for you. Are you looking for anything in your business right now? And what is it and how can our how can our listeners best follow you or reach out to you? They can get a hold of me
0: through at my website, derosagroup.com. We need more people that want cash flow, this wacky thing called cash flow that hasn't been very cool in the market. The cool kids were all investing for appreciation in the last five years, but cash flow has become the new thing that the cool kids want to do. We can provide it at DeRosa with our Derosa Income Fund, which they can get a hold of for accredited investors only at our website. And if people want to learn how to become Super successful multifamily operators. Uh, we also teach like a different multifamily education than you've ever heard of by anybody else. It's it's the most unique thing out there. And that is on our website at DeRosa Group.com as well.
1: Love awesome. it. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming. Shout out to Tony Brown for putting us together. Uh, we look forward to uh, sitting in your I need to come back, on. I come back on. When I come back on, I will have an old-fashioned in my hand as well with the burnt orange.
0: Um, to, to release the essence. And, uh, I look forward to hanging out with you guys and, um, and, uh, having a cocktail as well at, uh, BP Con Orlando.
2: Be fun. Well, that, Owen, will you see us out? On behalf of Rio Radio, Dentalist Bertrand and Ted Kosh. I'm Owen Dashner. And you've been listening to Matt, the Captain America of real estate, Faircloth, signing off. <laughs> Thank, you, <laughs>
1: hey, so much, Thank you so much, guys.
2: Appreciate, Appreciate it. Hey, have a great day with the pastor. I got to listen to I'll tell I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll tell what, tell what you
0: said. And also with you. Okay. right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. What men in your life has the biggest, I'm sorry, where you at? What men. <laughs> 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 yeah. What person in your life has had the bis- biggest impact on you? And, uh, I should just read the question. How about that? I'm totally. Let's try that radio edit. (laughs) So I'm gonna do an intro just to kind of get the flow go, and then we'll we'll, just because that's how I like flow go. Yeah, flow go too. Denless, uh, we are doing the intro to Matt Faircloth right now. Boom! And you suck for not being here. Yeah, douche. I I I hope you do know what kind of baby you're having now. funny a few moments later were you in it were we starting all over i don't know we're um i don't i don't help i i I don't know why are you you looking at me i have no idea we need to rewind (laughs) (laughs) gottie (laughs) gottie